get it. All right, cool beans. All right, welcome, guys. Is this like episode 45, I think? Welcome back. We've been on a little bit of a break. Kevin's been super busy with school and bad at time management. Uh, no. Okay, then. I'll yeah. <laughs> yep, throwing flames. Um, so, like I said, welcome. Um, episode 45 to the Mindset Effect podcast. Today, we are interviewing Oliver. Is it Rutherford or Rutherford? Uh, Rutherford. Rutherford. Okay. I love the accent. Yeah. We like the accents here. So if you couldn't that's why tell. I'm here, man. Yeah. <laughs> no content. It's just an yeah. accent. Yeah. Yes. 100%. It's like, that's the whole advertisement here is the accent. <laughs> no, but, um, so we would like to learn more about uni rise. So tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, uni rise is a social enterprise started a couple of months ago, um, by my co-founder, Andrew Mitson and myself. And, so I'm going to assume that you don't know much about like the UK yeah, just, admissions yes. university process, but with that. Hey, we should do like an introduction crazy. of Oliver first. Like tell us about well, yourself. Yes. Well, UniRise is his background. So that's kind of okay, what yeah, I was sure. for. It works both yeah. ways. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get there. We'll get yes. there. It's basically my life right now. Um, yeah. That's, that's what I was my past <laughs> there if, if, if you want. Um, so in the UK, the, the whole like admissions process, like getting into university is, is, is pretty messed up. The way it works is very different to the US. You only, can only apply to five universities. Uh, if you're in medicine, you can only apply to four and then another non-medicine one, but basically five. And in that, in that application, you basically got your GCSEs, which is what you do when you're like 15, 16, um, your grades. You've got your predicted grades for your A-level, which is kind of like SATs, but you don't have them yet. So they're all predicted. And most teachers get that wrong. So a lot of universities, obviously they're important, but they know that there's a lot of mistakes. Then there's this thing called the personal statement. And it's basically 4,000 characters or like five to 600 words. It's one page. And that's like your motivation. It's like a, a cover letter for universities saying why you want to study your subject at their university. And you send one of them out to your five universities. And then based on that, and also like a reference and a few other things, the universities made their decision. But the most important part is this personal statement. And the thing about it is that students from more affluent backgrounds, they often have, well, not often, but a lot of the time they do have people write them for them, or they go to schools where their teachers went to these really high quality universities and they've got really good support in writing excellent personal statements. That's the same that you have too. Like I know a lot yeah, of people of that it's like, you know, hire people to write their stuff for them. Yeah. Tens of thousands of dollars or pounds going into these. In the US, actually, they pay a lot more because you can apply to lots more places. Yeah, especially yeah. SAT prep, like you pay a yeah. lot for that stuff. Crazy stuff. So you end up having lower income students being uh, disadvantaged because often teachers in these schools aren't so prepared and they're not trained themselves how to support students in these applications. So I used to be a teacher, deputy head of maths in a secondary school, so kind of like middle school and high school in, in, in kind of central London for a couple of years. And a lot of my students, super smart, super inspiring, incredible kids who've been through all sorts of crap in their lives. They've even got good grades and they write the most awful personal statements. It's like, ever since I was born, I've wanted to be a doctor. And like teachers are like, oh yeah, go for it. Um, <laughs> but as, if you're from the university, that's like a big no-no. And there's a study uh, saying that 75% of teachers advice on the personal statement in these schools is actually the opposite or, or is, is not aligned to what actual admissions tutors from our version of Ivy League, which is called Russell Group University. So Oxford, Cambridge, LSE, UCL, all these guys is, is, is not what they're looking for. So what me and Andrew did, we thought, well, this is really a problem because it's a big blocker to social mobility. 
we both love hacking systems. So whether, the, whether it's exams and like doing as little work as possible to get the highest grade in like in, in you know, SATs or GCSEs or A-levels, whether it's whatever it might be, we just love like seeing a system and hacking it and, and treating it as a game to get the optimal result for the minimal effort. So we thought, well, this is basically a game. It's one page. How do we hack this game? Uh, and we spoke to a bunch of admissions tutors, the people themselves who actually make these decisions, like, what are you looking for? We then built an online course, which is super comprehensive based on everything that we learned. We got them to review like 300 personal statements. So we really know what they're looking for. We then built this thing on Notion called the what the fuck should I study at university guide, <laughs> which is basically this like comprehensive like uh, encyclopedia where for any university and pretty much any subject, it's still growing. Um, what's it actually like studying that course at university? So it's interviews with students and feedback and what grades you need and, and like loads of like actual honest truths rather than what like universities are telling students because they just yeah, just on a tangent that. though. Notion is amazing. I oh, Notion. <laughs> actually, I, I, I Notion literally is. told Andrew <laughs> about this. Like, I think like, I don't know, last year, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm from a small town, so we didn't use like anything. It was just like a have fun. <laughs> like, yeah, it's uh, it's so sick. And like, I'm not even a pro. I've got a friend called Ritvik, and he's like a, mo a notion monster. He can do all sorts of like relational databases and stuff that like I only oh thought you could do in Excel. <laughs> and I just use it like for notes. I've got. I just like the um, I like the slash the slash feature and just slash yeah, bullet points. Yeah. Those are so nice. It's so and slash to do is so satisfying. Yeah, it's amazing. My previous company, we had like our whole. Um, we called it the brain. It was all on Notion and all public. So if anyone wants wow. to see our company policies, like how we work, what are our protocols, what are our values, everything is on Notion. Um, it's it's super cool and it's crazy. It's just like a kind of note. It's like Google Docs on steroids, but yeah. It's, it's done so well. Wait, so what is, like, um, the whole, what is the purpose of Notion? Is it like just for like applying places or like what is it for? No, it's like, um, it's, a, it's like an editor. It's like Google uh, Drive, but it's, yeah, it's more that. accessible in my opinion. It's easier to get things without, like you don't have to click. You can just like, you, all you need is a keyboard. You don't really need a mouse in my opinion. So, Andrew, I think you have anyone, if you start it, <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to start a whole new podcast just on Notion. It's like perfect for someone like you. I'm kind of a crazy down. guy who, <laughs> who likes productivity. I've got actually like productivity stuff on Notion. So it really helps me with like my, to structure my days, who I'm talking to. And it's got like my whole life is on Notion. All my ideas for the next five years of my life and business ideas and productivity hacks. And oh, wow. like everything <laughs> for me is on, is, on, is on Notion pretty much. Yeah, for me, it was like Notion or Evernote. I just chose Notion. So yeah, yeah. it's like a note taking app basically. I see, I see. So speaking of that, like, what are some of the biggest uh, productivity hacks that you've, you know, implemented? Um, so Andrew, my co-founder, is like a real productivity. Oh, you guys are the same names. Mm -hmm. Beast. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think he's helped me a lot with productivity because I read a bunch of books on it. So there's like getting things done. There's like deep work and a couple of stuff. Deep work is uh, a good book. I, it's a good book. <laughs> I kind of, it was kind of, contradictory to getting, getting things done though because getting things done is like just like bang it out bang it out and then um deep work is like no spend like the first five hours in the morning without your internet and just like you know what? doing a thing that's insane i would never do that <laughs> i mean maybe i'm exaggerating um yes but, but still still like yeah i think for me so there's there's kind of um there's there's macro stuff and there's micro stuff so like high level behaviors turning your phone off and putting it into another room until the evening like when your phone goes off 
there's, there's the split attention effect. It takes about 22 minutes for your phone, for you to like recover cognitively and have that bandwidth back, even though you don't think it. So just turn your phone off. I use an app called uh, Freedom and uh, another app as well to like block YouTube and like all sources of like, cause I'm super curious mm-hmm. and I like hit YouTube hard and I listen to everything on like three X speed. Um, that's another oh my God, that's like, insane. Yeah, I, I do two X, I do two X. Yeah, my Andrew's on four X. You're on four X, bro? No way. That's insane. There's a I super cool it. guy <laughs> called uh, Cliff Weitzman who's got an app called uh, Speechify. And it's really awesome. And they, it kind of like helps you. He yes. creates it because he's dyslexic. Um, he's got a great story. And, I've um, seen him on LinkedIn. Yeah, he's such a cool guy. Uh, I, I really, I really um, admire him, actually. Um, so yeah, listening to everything on 3X, it accumulates, right? Because if you're watching a TED Talk, like, and you, your brain is plastic, so it can adapt over time. At first, you're like, oh my God, I can't do this. But give it a few weeks. You just increase it by like 0.2 each three days and then you get there in a few weeks that's massively helped my um productivity uh i think other things um like chunking time so i used to just do calls throughout all the days and like didn't have time for deep work so now i try and do calls just on friday unless they're like really important and that means friday that's when i met you andrew it's like calls and i'm not really going to be productive that day but i'm going to meet loads of people and have loads of thoughts and be creative and then in the mornings i try not to open my emails until like 12 I just have like night, I do like my morning routine. I do a workout with Andrew, some like gratitude, some meditation, then a few hours of just like real focus work. And then I can open my emails and everything else and, and start to like, you know, acclimatize to reality. I used to be like, I can't do that because it's what if something, what if there's a fire and what if someone needs me? But you kind of realize most of the time it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. things can wait. And if it's really urgent, someone will like come to your house and tell you. Um, so that was like one of the most like, relieving things that i had working in startups like it probably doesn't matter um it's fine for you not to look at your emails until midday andrew does like 3 p.m um and there's also like small things like hiding your doc um on on your macbook um downloading an app called rectangle which you can use like keyboard shortcuts to just like move your screens that's cool every morning i write like my most important thing uh like what's the most important thing i have to get done today what's like this is going to take like two hours i have to get it done and, and then that's just it. That's my MIT. And then below that is like all my other tasks, but I just have to get my MIT done. And even if I had a really bad day and it's super unproductive, if I've got my MIT done, I'm happy. So that, cause I think a lot of people, um, like just try and do too many things in one day and aren't focused. Me. <laughs> Probably. And then, yeah. The final thing is that batching. Um, if I've got loads of admin to do, I'll just be like, Hey, these three hours, I'm just going to like listen to a podcast on three X and do loads of emails, do loads of admin, loads of boring stuff, and just get it all out of the way. Um, yeah, I can link you a blog post that Andrew Mitson wrote, my co-founder on productivity, which goes into more detail, but that's kind of top of my mind things I'd recommend. What do you guys think? Anything resonate there with you or anything I'm missing? I mean, like for the most part, yeah. Like uh, Kevin and I both do like the whole two times speed thing. Um, it's always fun when Kevin, like when we're in person, he would just like play something out loud, like not even yeah. like on headphones at two times. Everyone like, else is <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, I remember that that happened so many times. Um, so like I, I do a lot of time blocking too. 
um, that's that's big for me. I, I used to do that. I don't even do it anymore. Freaking. What do you? Yeah. What I do you do now? <laughs> I just I have a to do list and I just go through my to do list throughout the day. I don't even count like schedule stuff. Well, I do schedule like meetings and stuff, but like not like schoolwork or personal work or just like YOLO, you know? Yeah, I have kind of a mixture of like I have both the to do list and I have the calendar, and so I like just take everything on the to do list and just like schedule it the like the day. Yeah, before. yeah. That's what I did in college. Yeah. I had a to do yeah. list, and then the night before, I just schedule what I need to do tomorrow. Yeah, but like I think for me, it's like the number of tasks. I always try to think about like what would a high performer do today? Like, what are all the tasks that they would get done? And like I try to punch in like insane amounts of things that like most people wouldn't normally be able to do. Um, and then I try to get all of those done. So I don't always succeed with that, but like that's a big thing that I always like try to do to like really increase my speed. Um, and you drink like uh, 50 diet cokes a day. Yeah, yeah. Do you do that? Not that many, but amount. I have so much. I have so much. Yeah, it's it's honestly really bad. Like last year, like you almost never see me without a diet coke. Like it's really bad. Like that's why on LinkedIn, one of my skills is literally drinking diet coke because I just wow. I do it Legit. more. Legit. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Never seen that before. Yeah, yeah. So I I do that like honestly more than I do like anything. It's probably pretty bad. Do you but, think it's even a matter of taste now and more just a habit that it's like I think yeah, I think it's a habit. Like I think I could probably relatively survive um without it. It's I nah, it's such nah, a habit. there's no way, bro. There's no way you can study with that. <laughs> I feel like we should so have uh, you guys should uh, <laughs> yeah. test this out. Yeah, well, like there was a while ago where I was like, okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> this didn't happen. <laughs> I, I think we like we went virtual uh for school and I was like I had like set this day, I was like, I'm gonna stop it right right now but then we went virtual and i was like whatever i was like left off that goal <laughs> but, yeah, so sure. how did how did you and andrew uh like mix in like how what is your guys's backstory together you guys kind of remind me almost of like kevin and i in a way yeah and uh, in what way um we're both really close um and like i mean we've only known each other for like a year or something like a year or um, so yeah 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 but it's like the best friend kind of thing and we always talk about like all these business ideas that we have um and it's pretty inevitable that we'll be starting something eventually um, it's just like kind of in that. Awesome. Um, me and Andrew, so Andrew's, uh, so I used to be a teacher, but like I was always doing like loads of things on the side uh, whilst I was teaching and his previous company that he founded, I was kind of working on part-time helping out with some stuff. And then we started working together. And I think I just loved how he thinks. I thought he like, he's, he's kind of like an outsider. He, mm -hmm. Like if you ask Andrew a question, he won't answer it in any way anyone else would. He thinks everything from like first principles. And he I suppose he's like less socialized than most people. So I would just find myself always curious as to what he has to think about everything from politics to religion to like education to technology to to notion to whatever. Um, <laughs> gotta get notion in there. I get I get I get uh, I have got an affiliate link with these guys. Yeah, um, of course. So and also I think this is underrated. We, have, we had so much fun together. We would just be working hard and just laughing, very similar sense of humor, both very like confident, but also um, like self-aware of our insecurities as well. And we just laughed all the time at each other and we're so silly. Um, and then he, I was working at a startup. He was like traveling for a year or two. Uh, and we just got on a call for like, we, we, we hung out like once a year for the last few years. We weren't particularly close. We just got on well. And then we had a 30 minute call in like, I don't know, June. And it turned into like a five hour brainstorm about the meaning of life and like why education so fucked up. And then it turned out into this like kind of 10 year plan about what we're going to do about it. 
um, UniRise is, is part of that plan, and then there are, there are more steps to it. Um, and then and then we just started working together every day, and it's been it's been super fun. So, like, if you had the power to like completely change the education system, to like how you think, like how would that go? Like, what would it look like? That's such a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, um, to be honest with you, like, it's re- education is hard because, like, if you were to say that about banking, like, a lot, not a lot of people know about banking. Like, so it would be easy to answer. But everyone, or most people, well, everyone's had an education, even if it's not a formal one. So that like, when you talk to people about education, everyone thinks they're an expert because they're like, oh, well, when I was at the school or my teacher, whatever, or my mom was a teacher. So it's really tricky and, and like people take it very personally when you disagree with them. I think that a lot of people are seduced by educational ideas that sound really good and are really seductive ostensibly, but actually when you like dig deeper and when you've been a teacher in like a really rough state school like I was, or when you've lectured at university or when you've worked in an education startup or for the Department of Education, you start to realize actually it's so much more complex. So I think like one thing that over the last 10, 15 years has been like big in both the UK and the US, like progressive education is like knowledge isn't important. And the hypothesis is that it sounds great. It's like, we've got Google, like anything we need to know, we just Google it. It's like, why should we be teaching kids facts? Surely facts are, are pointless and like, you know, in your phone, on, in your pocket, you've got everything. And again, that sounds great. Then you become a teacher, particularly in like a deprived school and you also study like psychology and cognitive neuroscience and you realize that facts aren't everything but actually knowledge is really really important so in the uk there's this big shift now away from like teaching knowledge and that's actually undermining students because by knowing lots of stuff in your long-term memory that frees up your working memory to be more creative and more critical and all the things that we need to be particularly with ai taking those jobs in the future so i'm not sure this to answer your question about what's the main thing i would change I, I think I'd want to like, I'm actually writing like a very, very long blog post about that. And I'm, I feel like I'm still figuring it out. So I don't want to give you a, a crap answer. But I think one thing that's really frustrating in recent education, I didn't like Ken Robinson's TED talk, which is like schools kill creativity and like knowledge is bad and we should all just be creative and whatever. It sounds great. And we all want creative kids and we all want critical kids. But when I was a teacher, I would quiz my kids every single day particularly because they didn't have much like social capital because they didn't, they weren't brought up in families where they went on holidays or were reading books. So I just taught them so much shit. They knew all the capital cities. They'd read loads of books. They knew their times tables. So by the time it got to the more complex things, they had like the cognitive bandwidth to actually be critical and be creative. So that's like a big thing. My teaching approaches people thought was like traditional, but it was actually like quite aligned with modern uh, cognitive psychology and um, knowledge isn't enough but like I think it's a prerequisite to all the awesome stuff that that um, we should be educating kids for Dude, that's really hate, funny your students probably hated you to be honest <laughs> <laughs> the well, teacher that assigns so much homework so many quizzes Dude, yeah that was me I was definitely the most hated teacher for a few months because I was also incredibly strict because a lot of my students didn't have many boundaries at home and suddenly I'm there like you know no uh-huh. you cannot you know, smoke weed in my classroom, whatever, whatever. Um, so I was really disliked, really disliked. But then again, like you start to give them quizzes and then give them loads of homework and that's annoying, but then they start to do well. And then they're like, oh wait, I'm actually really good at maths. And then they start to like you more because they're like, oh my God, I've never enjoyed this. But now, cause I'm good at it. It's like a positive feedback look. So after the first six months and suddenly it kind of switched around because 
they were like, oh, I'm actually going to learn here. And in this classroom, everyone's quiet and I can study. And I slowly started to become more myself and have more banter and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, particularly when you teach in these schools, I think you have to be, you have to have discipline. And, and if not, they just walk all over you. They just destroy you. And so many teachers leave, unfortunately, because the kids are brutal. Um, so you've got to be like really strict and really firm. And if that means people hating you for a few months, then great. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, like all the good coaches are pretty hard on you. Like it's kind of how that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like back to education, like, I feel like, like the question you asked is like, what would you change by education? I think the better thing to think about is like, like just accept, just accept the way things are right now. Right. Like we can't change the fact that there's SATs that we have to um, write these personal statements, you know? And I think it's really like the way I think is like, how do I make the best out of it? How do I, you know, go along with the rules and like um, follow the rules and get into a good school? I think that's the sort of mentality you need to have. I, mean, like I think just, it depends. I think it's both, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it depends. Too. Like, I think it, it depends on like who you are and like who you want to be, I think. Cause like, you know, you could, I think a lot of people will have that. And I think that's the right attitude for a lot of people because like, you know, we can like focus on it and it's just like a negative strain in your life where like you're not going into the industry to actually do anything about it. Like your plans are elsewhere. So like you look at like Elon Musk, um, for example, with like all the rocket stuff, you know, originally all of the uh, like, you know, space stuff was a, um, it was like something run by the government. And so like he could have looked at it and been like, okay, well, I can't do anything about it. Um, but instead he, tr- he worked and he like has turned it successfully into a private industry. Um, and so like, I think it depends, like if you're not trying to build like the you know, rocket company or like you're not trying to like necessarily do that, it's not your goal. Then like, yeah, I think it's not really much use to you to like focus on it. And then it's just a negative strain and it's not really helping anyone. Um, but like if you're in the industry to actually like make change, then I think that it's valuable to have like a mindset of like, you know, I can change this. Yeah. Sure. I, I'm very much like with UniRise, we're really trying to change the admissions process because it's really fucked up basically. And if we can get hundreds of thousands of students to all write incredible personal statements, then they're kind of, it creates a glitch in the matrix, right? Because <laughs> suddenly this filtering mechanism doesn't work anymore. And that means the system has and to change. And then they have to update. Let's yeah. Go. And then I would love to be part of that conversation. Like what should it be next and how can we make it far more yes. comprehensive and like research-based or whatever. Same with like exam grades. I mean, you can use like machine learning and AI to personalize education to the point where pretty much any kid could pretty much get the best grades in pretty much any subjects just through like high quality pedagogy and like high quality technology. So that's another way that then suddenly the like stigming mechanism of grades won't really mean much. Um, so I'm all for like, breaking things but as you say sometimes you've got to play the game to give you the credibility to like then go and break things yeah but you don't need that credibility it depends what your what your goals are really and like Mm -hmm. what andrew was saying yeah see this is the crazy thing about like i don't know even new ideas nowadays it's like we the humans are smart smart enough to figure out like the best way to do probably almost everything like it's really a kind of interesting thought like you know we have people who can like fly in a metal box and not die like you know like we we can fly across the planet and like not die like you know we are probably going to be on another planet in the next like you know 10 years like that's just insane to me and so i'm like you know it's kind of funny because we have the capability to solve almost every problem on this planet like we understand the psychology like if we would you know put more resources into like actually figuring out like 
you know, what is the best economic system that are really like, you know, not even focusing on partisan stuff, but like, what is the best economic system that'll do the best for everyone? You know, like we could study, like we could put um, tons of resources into this, you know, like we have so many solutions that we could figure out like education, you know, politics, like all of these things. Like we could figure out all of these things. And it's just amazing to me that we don't. Um, like, why do you think that is? Why, why don't we? I think there are a multitude of reasons. I think... So I, I think, think like we just don't have enough people working in the right fields, you know. I think that's I, probably I remember part like of it. Elon Musk, like he he said in an interview, like we just don't have like enough pe- engineers working on solutions. Like there's a lot of people in other fields like banking, um, and like finance that could be working engineering and like making like doing all the stuff that you just mentioned. I think that's when like the automation. I think that is a positive that. And I think like there's not enough incentive. Like I I think like yeah I think that's it. I think a lot of people they just don't wake up and feel like you know, they don't feel that drive to um, to do stuff. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I don't know. I think people people just want it easy in life, Um, and that's totally cool. You know, like, and um, I don't know. Just like things are hard. You know, like making making like a ship that can like go across the galaxy that's hard yeah i think well, i think that's kind of like a um i think that's more of like, like individuals i think but like on like a societal status uh, like a societal plane uh, i guess like you know you look at like where most of the research takes place and stuff and it's you know it's people donating money to like universities and stuff and like that's where they do a lot of their research um so like i, I think there's there's probably a multitude of reasons but it's like i think you know, with like, especially like politics and stuff, like, you know, we have all these things that we talk about. And like, if we did the math, like we could figure out what is the best for like all of these things, you know, we could find out is free education good, you know, is like free healthcare good? Like, what are the trade-offs of all of these things? Like we could argue about all of these things and like figure out really, really good solutions that work for almost everyone. Um, and I think there's like, pol- there's like people, um, things, there's like the politics of uh, different issues. Um, people have different benefits that come out of like certain It's also choices. like change is hard. Change is super hard. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially when you're like dealing with this, like a whole society. I don't want to change. <laughs> yeah. But like when you're dealing with the whole society, it's really difficult to make any massive changes. And you also like so much of learning comes from failing and it's really hard to justify trying something and risking failing when that failure might cause the deaths of like thousands of people. Like, you know, you look at what happened in the last like, you know, century, we decided to try out communism and socialism and all these different things. It's like, those didn't work. And so like, you know, you can't really try and fail things on a whole societal level without really causing a lot of headache um, or a lot of suffering. And so it's like, if we had relatively realistic, um, ways of simulating different changes and being like what is this actually going to do um like i think we could eventually get simulations that were relatively realistic but you're just never going to know and any change that you make could potentially really cause massive uh, massive issues on a societal level mm. bro you're in uh, deep dude you are <laughs> in deep, yeah i love it i <laughs> oh mean I think I'd push back on the point around there not being enough engineers. I mean, I love Elon Musk and I haven't heard him say that. Uh, and if he has said that, then, I mean, he might be right. But I mean, man, there's, I mean, I was living in Silicon Valley for a year and a bit and there's tens of thousands of engineers. That's in Silicon Valley. Super that makes smart. sense. I'm the, saying like in other places that are not the Bay Area. Um, there's like, I, 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 I for sure remember him saying that 
he was just complaining that more people need to be working. As well, I think, yeah. yeah, well, I do think that he's semi right. And like, there are a lot of jobs that we do that, like, it would be very easy to automate them. Um, like, you know, you see this in a lot of like, you know, how many lawyers do we need? And like, how many people are working in like all these finance industries do we need? Like, there are a lot of things where we could automate them. And I think eventually we will. And obviously there are drawbacks that come with that. Um, but like, I do think over time, we're going to end up forcing people into the engineering fields. Um, because we're going to automate almost everything else. And I, I think, again, there are positives and negatives to that. Um, but I do, I do think if we get more people in the engineering fields, it will provide a lot more benefit. What are your thoughts on yeah. um, like teaching being automated, like schools? Do you think schools will ever be online in the future as they are now? So, so the previous company I worked on uh, was all about like online education, like online universities and things like that. So COVID was uh, quite... Um, uh, good business uh, kind of uh, well it almost like exposed how bad the current like digital teaching and learning infrastructure is in universities and gave um the platform outlet to an opportunity to kind of prove itself um so just before that i think one thing just to add to the previous conversation is like you mentioned elon musk like that guy can think he uses mental models very effectively to understand problems really well and to make really high quality decisions that are often right so I think on a deeper level than just like, like throw more engineers at the problem because engineers often aren't very good at about yeah. thinking like societal <laughs> consequences of things and like ethical stuff. And it requires a very interdisciplinary set of people to really solve these problems. Um, and I think mental models, like teaching people how to think like Elon Musk is all about first principles, understanding like biases and cognitive biases and hindsight biases and availability, like really teaching people how to think in a comprehensive way, I think would be like one of the best things that we can do to upskill all of humanity to, to start making yes. good decisions. Whether you're an engineer or maybe you're like an economist and you're thinking of a new way to leverage blockchain to change the economic monetary system. I don't know. Uh, but I think that's something I'm really passionate about. And the podcast that Andrew Mitson and I are going to start soon is all about like mental models and like how can we, can we share insights from the best thinkers in the world um, to, to make it accessible towards everyone. To your question about uh, automation in schools. I think, um, so like I was mainly a math teacher and there are as good as I might have been or as bad as I might have been, you can get like the best math teachers in the world to write a script for every single part of maths. And it's sequenced pedagogically perfectly. <laughs> and then you can use just like very simple machine learning to kind of personalize people's trajectory based on their misconceptions so like if they get a certain mistake it shows that this is their misconception so you got you got you got on that different path etc etc and on the like getting good marks side of things at least in the stem subjects you're set um i think in my ideal world that would be combined with like the human facilitation of a teacher because education is more than just getting good grades technology can do that really well we can have schools without teachers and people get like the highest grades that's nice but i think education should mean more than that so i think teachers will always have a role in like facilitating personal development from students and debate and challenging students and probing them to think about different ideas in a way that technology won't be able to at least for a very very long time um so ultimately like i suppose my opinion is like a bit more nuanced than oh Technology is terrible. Keep it out of the classroom, which is what a lot of teachers think. They're really terrified of technology, but also a lot of like tech bros who don't understand education and 
um, are like, oh, we just like throw technology at the problem and then everyone will get great grades. And then great, you've got a bunch of people who've got good grades and they won't be able to solve the world's problems because they haven't had that teacher who's like inspired them to work harder or who's like just said that one little thing that's in- influenced that student to go and be a dentist or, or save lives or do whatever. Yeah, something that I've noticed recently is like, so I have a lot of um, like professors who are just doing everything uh, through like recorded lectures. And so like, we don't even see them except at like office hours. And I'm like, why are you getting paid like $100,000 if you're just like recording a lecture and then like, you don't ever have to do it again. Like, you're just like, I'm gonna record this lecture and then I'm gonna just show it to you. And it's like, why do you, you know, like, what is the incentive of keeping you around? Cause like, you know, we have, you know, teaching assistants. It's like, why don't we just let the teaching assistants do that? And just like fire the professors. Like, you know, like oh obviously in gosh, certain cases, Andrew. no, in certain cases, but like it'd be way cheaper and lower the cost of education. I mean, it just makes sense. Like it might not be the best thing for education overall, but like with how things are set up right now, and it's already so bad that it's like, I feel like that wouldn't do too much in terms of making it that much worse. Cause you'd still have TAs who are like teaching everything. Cause you know, for at least from what I've seen, a lot of the uh, college professors, it's like, you know, they, they show up for like a lecture and then like an office hour and then like, that's like all they do. <laughs> and it's like, that's like all I've seen most of my professors um, do. That's, that's a shame. I mean, like I've, over the last couple of years, I've worked with like, I think over 600 professors around the world. Um, and it's rare to have professors so hands off. I don't know, like, because during COVID, I kind of left, left my old job and I don't know how it's happened now, but I think, uh, fortunately that's not the case at least in a lot of uk universities where the professors are much more hands-on and they're like engaging with their students online or hopefully they are and as well as office hours and other things but i suppose covid's changing that so we'll see how professors adapt mm-hmm. yeah that'll be the really interesting thing wait why but... are you why do you have online classes when you're at school bro uh, yeah no all of that yeah i'm that's like so at, school he's living at school in my... a dorm and he's <laughs> watching lectures in his dorm yeah, it's, I literally don't have a single in-person class. Well, it's because, like, I was moving on campus, and then I, like, changed all my classes, like, the day before school started, and they all ended up being online. But originally, I had oh, wow. some in-person. So Are I was, you like, alone whatever. in college right now? Um, you- so I have a roommate, um, but that's the extent of it. So, like, and there are, like, plenty of other people. Um, but, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my house in Cali. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. I didn't go back to school. I'm not about to catch that COVID. <laughs> <laughs> actually the the rates here have been pretty low but yeah so we have like two minutes left i think so kevin do you have any other questions or anything yeah coffee or tea what's your energy booster or soda because andrews soda. is like soda so diet yeah. coke no not diet coke yeah um i or tea coffee i've only had like seven times in my life seven it gets times? super like wow. i thought you knew that like, me on coffee is like hardcore yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love tea. That's like I'm your first time. Yes, and tea is like tea. Uh, but tea makes me like chill. Like I want to go to sleep. I'm gonna have oh. some tea right now. <laughs> and then go sleep. I'm, sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm waking up at five a.m. Oh yeah, yeah. It's later. For oh, him. is it night for him right now? Oh yeah, shoot. So, well, it's, yeah, only, it's, it's like it's like eight forty p.m. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to wake up at five a.m. These yeah, days. It's crazy. We're all on different time zones. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nuts. <laughs> but yeah, Ollie, do you have any other uh, any questions or anything for us before we go? No, uh, no, it was super fun chatting with you guys and, and mm-hmm. look forward to connecting one future. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. you want to share like any social medias or any other things for you? Uh, have- yeah. Where can people find you? Um, if you, oh God, <laughs> LinkedIn, Oliver Rutherford or www.unirise.co.uk. 
Right. Yeah, just yeah, search up Vegan Advice. You'll probably find them there. Yeah, yeah, there we'll we link them awesome. too. But. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Cheers, Bye. guys. Yep. Have a great day. Cheers. Yep, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.